0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swann and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Timothy 6, and we'll highlight some of the stuff, the, or the announcements up there. Again, this Sunday, both services, 9 and 11, my brother will speak. Um, this is our 20th anniversary of our church, and in September, he is actually retiring from his church, he'll no longer be the senior pastor that he's pastored that church for 40 years. And so we'll be blessed by him. And then again on Friday night, the 19th, or the 17th, there's a women's cherished deal here at the church. Be sure to make yourself available to that. Again, we're going to celebrate this weekend. And so we're going to give you an opportunity to give right now. I'm going to read starting in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. We were here a couple of weeks ago. And it says, now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment. And so when I see the word godliness, literally that's the word of God telling me if I learn to do things God's way. And when I learn to do things God's way, there becomes contentment. Now, one of the great enemies of contentment is a thing called comparison. And if I get over and I start comparing myself But before long, my contentment and my gratitude, they begin to dissolve. And so how comparison begins to look, I I begin to compare myself to other people. And what normally happens off of comparison, you you become very resentful or you become very prideful. And so when I become very resentful, I have the thought that I'm worse than you. When I become prideful, I have a thought, I'm better than you. And so, with the area of pride, pride brings uh, uh, where I have a thought of superiority. But when I, I have the resentment toward you, it's a form of insecurity and inferiority. But when I do it God's way, it keeps me content. Now, you know how you know if you're getting over to comparison? It almost always has to do with money. How do we know that? We'll keep reading. He says in verse seven. For we brought nothing into this world, and it will be certain that we can carry nothing out. Now, let me give you a little paraphrased edition of that on my, my thinking. You didn't come into this earth with a pair of Yeezys, and you're not gonna leave with a pair of Yeezys. You didn't come into this earth with a Michael Coors purse, and you're not gonna leave with it either, okay? Verse eight. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. With, with food and clothing. Now, how many of you here got food and clothing? Every one of us got food and clothing. So right here he says, and with these you ought to be content. Well, that's a great thought in the, the Western civilization. Verse 9. But those who, what? Desire to be rich. They fall into temptations and a snare and many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Now, if you'll notice something there that he says, he didn't say those who are actually rich. He said those who desire to be rich. And so you can have all the money in the world and it's going to get you into trouble, or you may not have nothing, but you still get consumed with this. So he ends in verse 10 and he says, for the love of money. Not money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So they got away from contentment and they started looking to this thing called mammon or money as their God. And he said, there's been many that have strayed from the faith because of this. So what do we do? Man, I, I'm telling you, the way I stay content is I'm, I'm thankful. Thank you, Father God. I don't know about you. I, I've been blessed. My life is blessed. And it's because of Father God. I, I give God glory and honor. And so when I do it God's way, there becomes a contentment, okay? Here's a thought for some of you your identity is not based on what you drive, your identity is not based on what you wear, your identity is based on who I am, I what God says I am. And so let's remember that thought, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. Grace us in this area, Lord, to be content. And Father God, if we have a problem with comparison, whether that's in the area of resentful or prideful, Lord, we ask you to help us tonight and keep us in a straight line with you. That we live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, bless all of you. Again, you saw on the screen, not, not this Sunday, but Sunday, the 19th, we're starting a series, The Blessing. This, it'll be life-changing for you, I promise you. It'll it'll be a great change, but again, tonight, we're going to talk in the area of faith. Go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 14, Matthew 14, and I, I was asked the other day, what are you preaching on on Wednesday nights, Pastor? And I said, well... I, I kind of wiggle in the area of faith and then I wiggle out and I get on the area of the authority of the believer but they kind of tie together. And whether you realize this or not that once you give your heart to Jesus Jesus gives you authority. Authority to use his name. Remember Philippians 2, 9-11 the name of Jesus is the name above every name. Uh, Colossians 3, 17 says everything I do in word or deed I do in the name of Jesus. Luke 10, 17, 18 and 19 he talks about I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. But the way I use the name of Jesus is in an area of faith. When I speak that name, if it doesn't have a flavor of faith with it, it's not going to do me no good. So in other words, when you say the name of Jesus and you cross your finger, you think, Man, I hope this works. It's not going to work, okay? So again tonight, I'm going to get over on some parables that Jesus talks or just stories in here that I believe are gonna sharpen our faith tonight. And the reason I say that is these are passages of scripture I go to over and I go over and over in my life. So we begin Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and where it says he made them, it literally means he invited them or he strongly urged them, okay? And so he says he he got him into the boat to go before him to the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now in evening it came, he was alone there. Now when I read this, Jesus himself, he, he made prayer a priority. And Jesus modeled to him, or to us, what he desires for us to do. That his desire, his prayer is not just a, a great thought. It's something I actually do. And so Jesus got a way to pray uh, by himself, and that's another nugget. Sometimes it's very powerful just to get alone by yourself and get in the presence of God and begin to pray. So I believe in revealing this passage of Scripture, Jesus is telling us this would benefit you if you'd learn to do this. You know, many times we become intimidated by prayer. How many of you intimidated by prayer? I raised my hand. I remember you, man early in my life, I mean, I would not pray. I was like, I'm not doing that. I... But I became more comfortable. And more comfortable. You know the way I became comfortable doing it? Every evening when we would sit down to eat, I would pray the evening prayer. Some of you remember this, you would call it grace. Who's going to say grace? Well, I'm going to do it. And so I begin to get comfortable just praying. Well, that's what you do. And and when you pray, this may help someone in here right now. I, I talk to God just like I talk to Ricky. Just the same way. It's in a respectful form, but again, this is modeled by Jesus to get away and pray, so i got to keep moving. Verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, the Sea of Galilee, and it was tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And so now they're in trouble. It's, It's not good. They ran into trouble. You know, they say the Sea of Galilee is sustained about 170 feet deep all the time. That's how deep it is. And so here they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. In verse 25 it says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, which would be between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. They They were troubled. And it goes on to say, Not only were they troubled, they said, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. So when I begin to look at this, I have this thought, and maybe this will help you. Let's just say tonight that me and you are on that boat on the Sea of Galilee. And we're experiencing the wind and the waves just like they are. And Jesus comes strolling up, walking on the water. Every one of us in here would scream. It freaked everyone. I don't care who we are. You'd look and say, ah! And so again, some of these times when we read these passages, we look and we think, man, a bunch, of, a bunch of scaredy cats and stuff. Well, the truth of the matter is, how many of you have ever seen anybody walk on the water? And so Jesus comes strolling up on the water, and they cried out for fear. And here in verse 27, it says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer or be brave. It is I. Do not be afraid. And so Jesus is telling them, It's okay. No worries. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I I got this. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so we see something here that Peter sees Jesus strolling on the water, and then he says, if it's really you, Lord, command me to come to you on the water. Now, there's a couple things in here that really get my attention. Number one, all the disciples were on the boat, but the only one of them that reacted to this was Peter. And so it's very easy to sit in the boat and be critical and be judgmental. It's a whole other story when you get out of the boat. And so Peter right here, he asked for permission and he said, if it's really you, Lord, command me to walk on the water. Verse 29. So he said, come. That's all Jesus said. Peter said, If it's you, command me to come on the water. And Jesus said, Come on, come, come. Now, when I see the word come from the Lord Jesus, I have this thought. Jesus would never set any of us up to fail. And anytime he gives us permission to do it, he wouldn't tell us to do something that we couldn't do. And so he says, Come, come, don't. Now watch this in verse 29. And When Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter walked on the water to go to Jesus. Is that what your scripture says? That's what my Bible says. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. So uh, so Peter obeyed Jesus' word. Something happens when I obey. Now think about this. When Jesus said, come on, and Peter got out of the boat and went toward him, you talk about a step of faith. That's incredible faith to me when he says that. But again, Peter based his faith off of what Jesus told him to do. So he said, come, and he walks on the water. Verse 30. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, when, when he saw that, that, that the wind or the waves were, were crazy, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out. And so he, he cries out in this situation, Lord, save me, save me. He's beginning to sink. And look what Jesus does when Peter does that, verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. And so again, right there, Jesus reached out to him. But after he reaches out to him, listen to what he says to him. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Why do you have little faith? Why do you doubt? Why did you doubt me? Is what the passage says. Now, when Jesus says to Peter right here, Oh, ye of little faith, he wasn't putting Peter down. He wasn't trying to shame Peter. He wasn't trying to embarrass Peter. Most translations will come back to this. It says, where it says, ye of little faith, it says, ye of undeveloped faith. So guess what? When we start obeying the word of God, we got to start developing our faith in this area. And so when he says uh, undeveloped faith, I've got to get to a place in my life where I trust Jesus and I rely on him. So when I go back and I look at all this, what did Jesus attribute Peter's uh, uh, thinking to? Little faith. So let me ask you something. When it comes to walking on the water, Would you define that as little faith? <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> but yet, Jesus did. This was Jesus' words. And so when, when I read this and, and Jesus says, ye of little faith, I, I read into this for this guy right here, I say, man, I've got some undeveloped faith, Lord. I, I, I need some help in this area and so when i go back to look at this when jesus told peter to come peter got out of the boat and he obeyed jesus and as long as his eyes were on jesus it says and he was walking toward jesus as long as peter's eyes were on jesus and the words that he said he was fine but it said when he saw the wind when he saw the waves, and so he got his eyes off of Jesus, and he got his eyes off the word, the promise. He said, "Come." So as long as I keep focused on Jesus, and as long as I stay focused on the Word of God, I'm going to be okay. And so when I see the eyes of faith, you know what I believe the eyes of faith are? It's a second kind of of sight called spiritual sight. And when I start seeing with the eyes of faith, I see more than circumstances. I see more than the wind. I see more than the waves. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. So when I look at this and everything that he says here, he ends with an incredible statement in verse 31, and he says, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? So when Jesus tells us to come, he's not bluffing. He's not exaggerating. It's not a figure of speech. So when doubt replaces what Jesus tells us to do, it's one of two things. I'm ignorant of the word of God. Or two, I don't act on what Jesus tells me to do. And so part of faith is, I've got to act on the word when Jesus says, "Come," I've got to come. I got to obey. Him. I got to do what He says. So, in this passage of the story here, this is how I like to sum this up with Peter. I would rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat setter. You know what that means? I'd, I'd rather get out of the boat and start walking and getting my faith, getting instead of sitting in the boat my whole life and never doing nothing. Do you know it's easy to sit in the boat and do nothing and you know what happens? You become critical. You become judgmental. So in that night, when that happened with Peter, I'd be willing to bet the rest of the disciples are saying, don't do it, Pete. Don't do it. It's nighttime. The water's cold. You don't have a life jacket, Pete. Don't do it. But Jesus said, come. Come on, Pete. Come on. Now go with me to the book of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. So I I love to put myself in these stories again. So again, in these areas, when Jesus tells us to come, I mean, something happens within me with the Word of God. that it's like Jesus has given us permission to do do the things He's asked us to do. Mark chapter 4, verse 33. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Now, it's interesting that Jesus spoke the word. He knew, I've got to get the word in them. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to the disciples. So Jesus always adapted his teaching to the ability of his hearers to understand. He he made it simple. Verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, he said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they'd left the multitude, they took him along in the boats and he was on the other little boats who were also with him or they were traveling along with him. Verse 37, and a great windstorm, a ferocious, a violent windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now, when I read this about what he's talking about, this is a pretty good storm. The waves, the wind, and the boat's beginning to fill with water. Now, Here's a couple little insights for you on this story. Just because Jesus is Lord of your life doesn't mean you're exempt from the storms. You're going to be in storms. Can I take you a little farther with this statement right here? You're going to experience storms, even when Jesus is in your boat. (laughs) Some of you saying, "I don't want to hear that." No, Jesus will make a way for you. Okay, but I want you to hear this because sometimes people say, "Well, as a as a Christian, it's smooth sailing." It's not smooth sailing, but you always have opportunity when Jesus is in the boat. So it says, here he's in the boat, and this windstorm arises, verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So here everybody on the boat is freaking out. They're thinking we're gonna drown, and Jesus is taking a nap. He's got his pillow out. Now, this must have been a really, really bad storm because you gotta remember, the majority of the disciples, they were fishermen. They had grown up on this lake, but in this storm, They're freaking. We're about to die. And so they wake Jesus up here. And it says he was asleep. And they said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? So what does Jesus do? Verse 39. Then Jesus arose. He rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea. Now pay real close attention to all this because... He is awakened, he rebukes the wind, and he speaks to the sea. When Jesus does all this, he's not showing off. He's modeling to us in the storms of life, this is what you do. And so it says, and he said, and he said, peace, be still, or be quiet. So when you see what Jesus said, Jesus spoke the desired result. He just point blank said, peace, be still. He didn't cross his fingers and say, man, I hope this works. No, he steps out and he speaks the desired result and the wind ceased and there was great calm. So guess what Jesus did. He spoke to the circumstances. Do you know, we're told that in Mark 11:23 to speak to the mountain? Verse number 40. But he said to them, "Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have?" No faith. Now, the first time we read, he said little faith. This time he said, You have no faith. None. So now I got to get back in the boat and I put myself in. What would I have done in that situation? I'd probably gotten a fight with Peter fighting for a life jacket. But he said, You have no faith. So you know what I believe he was telling them? You didn't do nothing. You allow the the circumstances to dominate you. And so when I read what he's talking about, Jesus contrasts fear with faith, and he equates fear with no faith. you know what faith here means? God's helping power. And so when he says to them, you have no faith, well, when the storms of life happen, guess what the storms of life do? They reveal what's in our heart. You never know what you really believe until you get in a storm. I mean, in a storm right now. You may be. And so when I go back and I look, the Lord Jesus, you know what he's modeling to us as believers? Speak to the circumstance. Speak to the wind. Speak to the sea. Speak to those things. I'm going to give you a little free nugget here, okay? Why was Jesus asleep on the stern, or in the stern on his pillow? Look back with me in verse 35, the very start of this verse. And on the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, he spoke to them, let us cross over to the other side. So before the journey even began, Jesus told them what was going to happen. He said, let's cross over to the other side. And so Jesus knew, we're going to get to the other side. So he goes ahead and takes a nap because he's already told them what's going to happen. So when Jesus tells us to come, he means it. When Jesus tells us, let's go to the other side, he means it. He means it. it. And so you know what that does with me? That, that causes faith to rise on the inside of me and think, man, when the Word of God tells me this and this, believe it, act on it. So if I was to continue to read in this passage right here, was this storm demonic in nature? Absolutely. The reason is demonic in nature, when he said, we're going to the other side, if we would go on into Mark chapter 5, you know what the other side was? It was an area called Gadara. It's where the Bible talks about the madman mad man from Gadara. So when Jesus said, we're going to the, go to the other side, the devil knew why he was coming to the other side, and he knew that he was going to confront him, that Jesus was. So guess what? Jesus rebukes the wind. He stands against it because he's going over there. If you read that passage of Scripture, he sets that boy free. And so the devil tried to oppose what Jesus was going to do immediately. How many have ever heard this, that when, when things happen that are bad, winds or storms, that's an act of God? That's not an act of God. If this storm was from God, Jesus would have never rebuked it. God doesn't do bad things, okay? The devil does bad things. Anytime you see killing, stealing, destroying, just remember who did that. The devil, the thief. And so right here, when I begin to look at this, Jesus gives us authority, guys. He tells us, speak the things of God out of your mouth. So... The more I speak out of my mouth, the word of God, the better off I am. So I got to thinking about this story. Many of you may know a man. His name was Charles Caps. He's gone home to be with Jesus. I believe this was somewhere around 35 years ago, but I was in a setting where he was there. And Charles Caps was a man of faith, but he was a farmer. He was a cotton farmer in Arkansas. That's what he did. And this was a cotton farmer that years ago in his life, he tapped into the power of faith and he tapped into the power of the name of Jesus. He understood it and and he would make it so plain and simple. So he began to tell this story that his cotton was beginning to come up and it was looking good. And there was word out that there was going to be severe thunderstorms in his area that night. And so that afternoon when he was tending to his, his crops, he began to notice it getting really, really, really dark. And they said there's going to be strong wind today and big hail. Well, he got in his pickup and he drove all around all his property, every bit of it. And he began to speak the protection of God over his land. And really, to me, what he prayed was Psalm 91, where he said, a thousand will fall at my side, ten thousand at right my, my right hand, but it shall not come near my dwelling, for God has given his angels charge of them. So he began to say, Father God, I ask, there's protection on my crops today, and nothing's going to happen. He said, as the sun begins to go down, the storm hit. And he said, the winds came up, and he said, you could tell there was big hail because it got really, really cold. And he said, he walked out on his porch and he started looking and he said, I started saying, I rebuke you, clouds. I, I, I welcome the rain, but I stand against the wind. I stand against the hail. And he said, I had to do it about three times. And he said, I'd go out there and he said, I'd speak to it in the night. i said, uh-uh, uh-uh, not in the name of you. You're not gonna mess with my crops. Well, nighttime completely came. He got up the next morning in his little pickup. He started going around his land, and he started looking out in those fields. It was all still standing. He got to look in all his neighbor's fields. Many of them were completely laid completely over. Some were totally devastated by hail. And he said, you know what the difference is in that? Someone knows how to believe their authority in the name of Jesus, and some don't. Some understand faith, and some don't. And he said, guess what? You'll either get it one day, or you won't. And when he began to speak those things, my prayer was this. I said, Lord, I want to get a hold by faith. You know why? The Bible says in Romans 1, he said, the just will live by faith. The and so again, I got underdeveloped faith man, I'm telling you, I'm a work in progress right now. And so you've got to get a hold of the scripture. You've got to get a hold of the word of God. And when Jesus gives us permission to do it, do it. Believe it, receive it, welcome it. I don't care what it is in your life. Again, when you begin to find these things out, man, when life comes at you, I don't have to freak out. I don't have to get in fear, but I begin to model and I hold on to what Jesus did, and the Bible will teach me. And so you may say, have you ever rebuked the wind and the hail? I have. I have. And I did it not, not that long ago. My wife gets tickled with me because anytime the rains come, I'm like a weatherman. I go outside. I love to watch it. So, so I'm sitting out there, and I'm watching, and all of a sudden... These hailstones started hitting, ping, ping, bouncing. And I said, "Uh uh-uh, not in the name of Jesus, not in my house. In the name of Jesus, uh uh-uh. What happened, Pastor? It kept hailing. And I came back. I said, "Uh uh-uh, not in the name. I rebuke you in the name. I speak to you, and you may think I'm crazy. But I kept speaking right there. I looked, and I'm telling you, it was incredible what took place. It was almost like I could watch the storm just split. And I sat there and i thought, like, man, my God is so good. My God is so good. I could take the next hour and tell you stories in my life how I've stood on the name of Jesus. I, I've stood. I'm telling you, whether it's in storms, whether it was in a, a, a vehicle accident, I'm telling you, I would see the name of It would just jump out of me. It just jump out of me. And I love that. Now, when I react, I don't react out of fear. You know what comes out of my mouth? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Stand up. Stand up. So what am I doing here? I'm telling you the word of God tonight. Let let faith stir you up. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. Man, the word of God will work. It, It will move within us. And I can take you back to King David, man. When he was a teenage boy, he would stand on the word of God. God's not moved by age. God's only moved by our faith. And so I'll, I'll end with this thought. I've seen throughout the New Testament where Jesus we saw tonight, the first one he said, ye of little faith. The next one he said, ye of no faith. And then I've seen him say, ye of great faith. Where's that at? That's Matthew 8. I'm going to be on that in a few weeks. And so I dissect. I want to know about the ones that got great faith because I've been in the ones that have no faith. I know how that is. But something happens when I begin to look when Jesus said, Whoo, ye have great faith. Bow your head. Let me pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We honor you tonight. We seek you. We, We look to you. Lord, help us right now with underdeveloped faith. I I welcome you. If that's you, you just raise your hands to heaven. Help us, Father God. You said the only way to please you is through faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Through faith and patience we inherit. So, Lord, the areas in our life, in our hearts that are defective cause this thing called faith. Just as your disciples said in Luke 17, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Grace us. Grace us to have ears to hear and grace is to obey us. And Lord, I end with this thought. Grace us to be wet water walkers instead of dry boat setters in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're watching me, I clap to the Lord. If you're watching by live stream, bless you. Have a, a, a great week. I'll see you Sunday morning. The rest of you, here's what I'm going to do. If you need prayer tonight, I welcome you down here, okay? If you desire for us to lay hands, on, I'm going to lay hands on you in the name of Jesus, OK? And so it's your choice. If you desire that, I welcome that. The Bible says, lay hands on the sick, they'll recover, but you can go ahead and dismiss some guys if they need to go. The Bible says that if the prayer of agreement with two of you will agree on Earth in anything, God will move. So we'll pray the prayer of agreement. Other than that, God bless you, have a kingdom. Thank week. you for listening today. For more information, please visit Faith Church Lubbock dot com.